Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Deemer. Today on the show, Coinbase and Goldman Sachs. What's the connection? It might surprise you. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Monday, May 24th, 2021. You can see that my mic is back. Yes, it was back yesterday, too. But I'm back at home, back in the studio, back here for you. I was thinking I should release a blooper reel because sometimes I just do so many takes of the same thing over and over and over again that it's honestly hilarious. Like even this initial like startup of the podcast, this is my third take. And it's not that I didn't like it. I just thought I could be better. I could say it better. And so I do that with all of our news is that I go through it and then I say, oh, there's a stutter or I didn't like the way this was said or I didn't pronounce that word properly or I didn't enunciate or I didn't like the the tone or the way that I spoke with it. Like this is like so many different things that makes me re-record it over and over again. Sometimes it's a blatant mistake. Sometimes it's just like I just think it could sound better this way. Anyway, I should just probably do a blooper reel or just an unedited version of the podcast to make you guys go, damn, this is (laughs) the end result is so much different than the recorded result. Anyway, let's get into those crypto prices. We're looking good today, or at least better. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in at $37,770, up 10.7% in 24. Ethereum, $2,433, up 22.2%. Tether's in the number three spot, and Binance Coin is at $314, up 29% in 24 hours. Cardano's at the number five spot, at $149, up 22.9%. Rounding off the top 10, we have Doge, XRP, USDC, Polkadot, and Internet Computer. Total market cap for the crypto space, we're at $1.57 trillion and a BTC dominance of 45%. Another thing that's worth noting in this whole downturn of the market recently, and hopefully we're having a nice recovery, I wouldn't hold my breath yet, not yet, but it's looking good today at least, but I haven't noticed the DEXs. And the DEXs took a massive hit. Uniswap plummeted. I mean, we're talking 50% down. PancakeSwap, PancakeSwap, I mean, it was over $40 at one point. It's at $15 today. And Sushi is down like over 50%. It was over $20, went down to nine. It's at 10 today. Just a massive amount of money poured out of these decentralized exchanges. Worth noting, hopefully this is over. Moving into today's headlines. Now, this one is super big. Crypto exchange Coinbase announced on Monday that it hired Fire Shirzad, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing the name because I couldn't find a video that said his name, the co-head of government relations at Goldman Sachs, to fill a new position at Coinbase of chief policy officer. 
And I find this development really interesting for a couple reasons. The first reason, and I'll tell you the more reasons as the story continues, is when I was working in China, we also had a government liaison working for our company. And this government liaison basically was paid by the company because of their connections to people in government. And they got like, a, I don't know, a monthly salary, if you will, just to be there on call if we needed somebody to talk to the government because of certain different issues. Uh, regulations or changing policies or co competition that is trying to be or use unfair practices or just an onslaught of things so I never saw that before and it was really interesting to see that that was a actual job title and how it played out in China now China of course is a different system in the United States however to have like chief government policy officers or or head of government relations or chief policy officers or it's just interesting because it makes me wonder how the inner workings of government and policy and companies actually work in that kind of level job. Anyway, Shazad also served in the Bush White House before a 15-year tenure at Goldman Sachs. And this is interesting because you can see the connection between politics and banking and finance and now apparently Coinbase. It's just a very tight-knit crew, I guess, that all roll together. Um, not surprising, yet it's almost like it's so apparent that there is so much, I guess, I don't know what to say here, but you get what I'm going with. You see, you feel the drift. It's almost so apparent that it's like, there has to be something wrong here. It just has to be. Anyway, the article from Decrypt, however, says this is notable for a couple different reasons. First, it underscores how regulatory concerns are looming larger than ever in the crypto industry. And it shows how firms like Coinbase are turning to veteran lobbyists and political fixers to help them navigate Washington. Also, it signifies how Coinbase and CEO Brian Armstrong are seeking influence in the capital like never before. And this is many different lobbying groups. I mean, just not Coinbase, but Fidelity and so on and so forth. They are all, oh, by the way, and um, Binance.us, who hired Brian Brooks, a lot of people are trying to get people into their fold to be lobbyists, have connections in Washington to try to, I guess, push regulations one way or the other, have clarification. As we know, Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, went on a trip to Washington and tried to, you know, rub elbows. And he praised in a tweet the Clinton administration for a do-no-harm policy toward the internet in the 1990s. I guess he's trying to say that he wants something like that for crypto. It's like, do no harm. Sure, regulations, but let's watch it evolve. Brian Armstrong also posted pictures with the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. As well, he tweeted that the United States should create a safe harbor for crypto startups and asked the Biden administration to signal that crypto companies are welcome in the U.S. You know what else is interesting? Is because Goldman Sachs also changed their tone in cryptocurrency. But before we talk about what their tone is now, we have to go back about a year ago. Actually, almost exactly a year ago. At that time, Goldman Sachs conformed with a pretty bearish view on cryptocurrency and how it would work with investment banking. It flat out denied that cryptocurrencies were a viable asset citing that their extreme volatility and the fact that they do not show evidence of hedging against inflation. So they were like, no crypto, we are not getting in. However, 360 days later to right now, one global pandemic later and a huge bull run, Goldman is kind of looking at that and going, hmm, maybe we were wrong. And they're publishing a report that's going to come out to the public entitled Crypto, colon, a new asset class? Hmm. It looks as though Goldman Sachs and other banking companies are changing their tone on what cryptocurrency could be for the future. You know who's not changing their tone, though? HSBC. 
they are still very anti-crypto and they do not want any part of it. Chinese exchange Huobi, just days after the Chinese government vowed to crack down on Bitcoin mining, trading, and cryptocurrency, they began to block Chinese customers from accessing some of their services. Huobi told Decrypt that it has temporarily ceased crypto derivatives tradings for customers in certain markets to protect the interests of investors, citing a recent dynamic change in the market. And that on the surface sounds bearish. It sounds very bearish that the Chinese government could say, hey, we're going to crack down on cryptocurrencies and, and you know mining. And then exchanges are going to say, we're going to start limiting certain markets. But remember Binance. Just remember Binance. Binance used to be based in Shanghai. And then the China FUD of 2017 came out. It tanked the markets really, really bigly. And Binance said, okay, we're, we're leaving. And I think they went to, and don't quote me on this, but I think they then, or CZ then, went to Japan and then to Singapore, and then to Malta. And he kept on bouncing around for a little bit. But you see where Binance is today? It is the biggest exchange, has the Binance Smart Chain. It is printing money. The Binance token is doing extremely well, and they're not slowing down. Oh, Binance.us. Oh, Brian Brooks. Oh, they are expanding. Oh, an NFT marketplace. Well, speaking of their NFT marketplace, Dynamo Kiev will help launch the Binance NFT marketplace by selling NFT match tickets. Tickets will be exclusively sold on the Binance Marketplace. Some NFT goodies will also be ready for the start of the season. And if you guys are looking for some interesting NFTs, don't forget Steve Harvey. Yes, comedian Steve Harvey has his own NFTs. Don't know who's going to buy that. I should double check to see if anybody actually bought that. I like that Steve Harvey is doing that, but I mean, why? Why? And finally... The Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania just published an assessment of decentralized finance, or DeFi. And they said that DeFi has the potential to transform global finance. However, they also note that there are many obstacles in the way to do so. And I want to highlight a way that I've been thinking about just the other day about DeFi and how it can actually help people move out of their certain economic positions or... Uh, create things that they might not have created before. And I was talking about like an old, my old area when I grew up in. It's the place is called Slavic Village on the east side of Cleveland. And the median house value there is around $40,000. It's, it's, you know, a steel town. Cleveland steel town, these t- steel towns and some of their areas have really just taken a dive when it came to value of their properties and, you know, um, security and so on and so forth. And, you know, the Slavic Village is no different. But I was thinking about how people start businesses, small businesses, and how you need a couple things to be able to be successful as an entrepreneur. The first one is you have to understand how to run a business. The second one, have the connections and the know-how to do the trade or the business that you're doing and make that work for the market. And the third one, and probably most obvious, is capital. So you can learn the skills of doing business, taxes, hiring, contracts, blah, blah, blah. You can know the trade. You can make the connections. But capital is always a big barrier. You need money to try to make money. If you come from the class of the working poor, or if you just don't have disposable income, or even if you were saving hard, I mean, you're really working to save it. I mean, saving 50 bucks a month could take you forever to get the capital to start a small business. But people do have equity in their house. People do have equity in some of their properties or cars or whatever. And I was just wondering how DeFi can actually be used, and NFTs, by the way. NFTs and DeFi 
and tokenization of property can be used to create more wealth. For example, let's just say you have that $40,000 house and say that $40,000 house was your grandmother's house and it was passed down from generations or your parents' house. Yeah, sure, it's only worth $40,000, but it is $40,000 of a house and equity. And most banks will look at that house in the neighborhood and probably the income level of the person that lives there and go, well, we're not going to give you a loan. We're not going to take a risk on this person. We're not going to give you $20,000 to start up a, your, your business. However, what if you could tokenize your the deed of your house and you put that deed uh, in a tokenized form and then you put it up and you want to take a loan out against the, the house, you know, get, you take that equity. Now, things like BlackFi right now, you can put it up, say, if you put $40,000 into BlackFi, you could take a loan of half of that, say $20,000. What if you could do that with your house and it's tokenized on the blockchain? And a company like BlackFi gives you that $20,000 and you take that $20,000 and you start this business idea and you pay back that $20,000 plus you now have a business plus you're making an income plus you are serving your community plus now you're making even more money than you did before. And it all started by, by using and leveraging the equity that you have already because a traditional bank wouldn't give you that loan. What about a car? Maybe you have a $8,000 car and you could take a $4,000 loan by tokenizing the deed to that car and taking a loan out against the, the value of that car, and maybe it's not 50%, maybe it's 30% because it's a depreciating asset, but you have an extra couple grand to maybe start something and you know continue to build in your life. I, I think freeing up capital like that and allowing people to use what they have, even though it might not be the most, I guess, favorable for a bank to do it, but a system that allows people to leverage their capital and leverage what they have or anything they have and try to build off of that, I think would be amazing. Uh, the question always comes up is how do you enforce it? You know, if somebody puts their deed in their house and takes the equity out, <laughs> it takes a loan. I mean, the fact is, is they can lose their house. And then who enforces that? And I think that that's where we have like one of the problems. It's like, okay, fine. The person puts up the deed of the house. We have to understand that that risk is on them, um, that this is going to be a very risky thing. Do they understand the risk uh, that they're doing? We have to have that trust and that faith that the person understands the amount of risk that they're taking with this. And then if that contract expires and that loan is not being paid off properly, there's going to have to be somebody that comes in and takes their house. And so I think that there is a still a lot of big break between regulation and DeFi and the real world and the digital world. And I think, of course, oracles and bridges like Chainlink to bridge the real world and the DeFi world is very needed, um, especially when it comes to like that kind of thought. But also we need to have like the regulatory bodies come in to understand how we get the data for the real world to the digital world and who enforces that and how it's enforced. And also how the due diligence is done so people can get these loans and not get screwed. Anyway, sorry for the little ramble. Just a thought. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Crypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to DeemerForCongress.com. I am taking cryptocurrency. So if you have some stable coins laying around that you want to ship to our campaign, please send us some money. We need it. Blockchain advocates in Washington. And until tomorrow, happy hodling.